What up guys? Alright, today I'm bringing you a very special interview with my homie, my girl, Raddy Shetty. My first interview with Raddy was actually one of my first interviews ever I did on Women of Impact and it's still one of the fan favorites. I mean, it literally guys has over a million views on YouTube but I'm freaking seriously proud of. And so if you're new around here, you probably actually haven't even heard of it. So stick around if you want to hear a raw and extremely honest conversation about feeling like you don't know what you have to offer the world, facing your fears and the importance of developing self-worth. So sit back and enjoy this throwback episode of Women of Impact. Peace out. If I was to give an award to the sweetest human being on the planet, today's woman of impact would get it. But her accent and green eyes are like glasses on Superman, so don't be fooled, her cape is just hiding. This woman can really hold her own. Growing up overweight, she quickly grasped the power and importance of self-worth, but her journey hasn't been easy. Falling in love and marrying the then unknown Jay Shetty, she faced her fears, respectfully kissed her parents goodbye and moved out of the only house she had ever lived in. She moved across continents to take a chance on her future and it paid off. Learning how to live on her own for the first time and finding her passion in health and wellness, she is now helping others with conscious cooking and living so they too can better their own lives. Now a lead recipe developer in, a, in vegan dining, she works tirelessly to highlight the importance of the mind and body connection and show how nutrition and lifestyle impacts both. If Gordon Ramsay, the Dalai Lama, and Oprah all had a baby, she would be the offspring. <laughs> so it, was with, it is with great happiness that I bring to you my good friend, the ever-evolving Roshni Devlukia Shetty, a.k.a. Raddy. What's up? That was the most epic introduction ever. I had so much fun writing it. When I was really trying to capture who you were, it was like I was taking one thing and I'm like, okay, she's so sweet and she's got like this beautiful, cute little <laughs> laugh. And then you talk about health and you talk about things you've been through in your life and you know your shit and you're very eloquent in explaining what you've gone through and what you've learned. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I can't just pigeon pigeonhole you into one thing. So that's where the intro Thank came Thank you so from. much. It was oh, honestly good. like, you, you made me sound like a superhero. Like that's what I felt like the you introduction are, was. Girl, you are. <laughs> so Thank the you. first thing I want to talk about yeah. is, um, so your childhood, I had mm -hmm. no idea that you grew up heavy set. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting how that reframed things in my mind of you and what mm -hmm. you've had to go through. Um, talk to me a little about that and what kind of sure. that made you feel at the time and how you had to overcome that so I yeah I always grew up heavy set like larger than most people in my class or my my family like the younger girls in my family my immediate family remember my dad they never really made me feel that way like in all of my videos of when I was younger I'm in front of the camera like super happy my mum was like an instructor, like a fitness instructor. She had like six pack abs when I was growing really? up. Yeah, she was super fit. She would kind of drag me to all of her classes. Um, but it, I noticed it most when I started going to school, obviously. You end up seeing people around you and the girls around you and the type of people that uh, end up being liked or disliked. And you realize that actually ends up being a lot to do with your physical Form. Mm. And so, you noticed that even at that oh age. yeah, because I was I was like either bullied about it or left out of things because of it, and because I had such a strong foundation at home, it never bothered me as much as I feel it may bother other people mm. because I always had that support system at home. But you obviously feel it because you want to have friends and you want to be loved by everybody. Mm. And so I think I noticed it more then. And then as I grew up, I also got larger. I went to all girls school. 
And so that being, I feel like that actually causes a lot more pressure mm -hmm. because you're surrounded by girls who care about body image mm -hmm. from a young age. I didn't realize how much it affected me until this age. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. I want to go to what you said about your mum having six pack abs. Yeah. Like, did that, did it dawn on you at the time? Like, was there any envy or did it make you feel badly or you don't you were like no I was just a happy-go-lucky kid and it was cool that my mum had abs no I definitely felt it like you definitely feel it from a young age and emotionally it was more when people would make comments about it mm. um, or when you can't fit into things or when you see yourself in like a video with your, the rest of your family or your cousins and you're like the chubby kid in the corner you know yeah. you don't but the confidence level I think only changed when I got to school and it was there was I was surrounded by girls who I thought were more beautiful than me or skinnier than me mm. and it's so weird I always feel that now looking back thinking that fitness was always related to how skinny you were like that was my my image Every, growing mm. up that's all I thought that to be fit that means you have to be really really slim um, and it wasn't necessarily because of my mum, but it's just what you end up growing up looking at all over the place is women wanting to be super slim. Mm -hmm. And in my eyes, that meant for me to be fit, I had to be skinny. So how did you not let that erode your self-worth? Or did it erode, um, erode your self-worth? I think it definitely did, because growing up, your self-worth, I feel, is based on everybody around you. When you're a teenager, it's how many guys like you or whether the guy you like likes you back that ends up defining whether you love yourself or whether your friends love you. You're not stable, you have no rooting. And so everything that you base your love for yourself on ends up being external. And so I definitely had ups and downs of, of really thinking I was something when somebody liked me and then when somebody didn't like me or my friends decided not to be friends with me, I would dislike myself. And so everything was based on external validation, for sure. And how did you stop that loop then? Or when, did, oh. do you remember the first time you recognized it, that it was a loop? Yeah, it felt that way for a long time that I felt something was missing. Like I knew that my love for myself could not be based on other people. There had to be something else that I could have a foundation of, okay, fine, there can be ups and downs, mm -hmm. but I never go down to a low where I don't love myself. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think meditation was the turning point for me. And I felt that because it was the one time in the day where I would end up spending time with myself. Like, you do, I feel like people don't do that. Mm. We spend time on everything to do with hair and makeup and clothes and on other people, looking at other people, mm. talking to other people. Um, but I felt like I wasn't spending any time actually thinking, who am I? Like, I, I don't know who I am. And I feel like in a relationship, whether it's with yourself or whether it's with somebody else, you have to know yourself, to love yourself. We never get into relationships with people or friendships with people without knowing them. You can't fall in love with someone without knowing them. Mm. And so I felt like, okay, who am I? Like, I actually don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I dislike. Everything that I like or dislike is based on other people. Um, everything that I like about myself is based on other people's likes for myself. they're saying yeah. like, oh, you've got beautiful exactly. eyes, your hair. Exactly. So like, my eyes and hair must be lovely. Exactly. And so everything is to do with, oh, they like it, so that must be who I am. Mm. And so I felt meditation was the first time, or just journaling was the first time I started writing down things about things I like about myself or don't like about myself. And so it created more of like a relationship with, with me. I was having a relationship with myself finally, rather than my perception of myself because of other people. God, I love that. Mm -hmm. You did a video um, called Self Love. 
Yeah. And your quote is, how can you love yourself without knowing who you are? Definitely. Oh, God, when you said that, I was like, quote card, by the way. Put that on quote card, please. It was so beautiful because it's mm. so true. Yeah. So for you, it was journaling and meditation. Is that like the first steps for you to really find out who you are as yeah, a person? Yeah, definitely. And also, um, I have to say, my husband was a big part of it. Meeting somebody who really understands himself so well. Mm. And I always used to see it... Um, at first through a barrier, like we weren't, we weren't close at this time. And then when I got to know him more, I realized that actually he can be so much more supportive to me understanding myself because of how much he understands himself. <clears throat> and so for me, he was, he's always been such a supportive factor to me understanding myself so much better and just believing in myself so much better. Every time I think I can't do something, he's like, no, study it, understand it, and then you'll, you'll be totally fine. That's amazing. And yeah. for those of you at home listening or watching, Jay Shetty is your husband. Yeah. If you don't know who he is, you've been living under a rock, um, who ba basically used to be a monk. Yeah. Um, and so he went on his own journey. Yeah. And so for you, did you see then that journey, like, did it make you realize that anything was possible or was it his teachings that then helped you? I think it's a bit of both, just his mindset to everything, obviously all backed from when he was a monk. Mm. Everything that he is now is because of those years where he spent truly, deeply trying to figure out who he is, understanding the soul, understanding himself so much better. But just his journey, but also just general interaction with him. Like every day I see how he reacts to things or acts to, towards people or acts towards himself. Um, he's he's so loving towards himself and not in a egotistical way, but just in a way that okay, we make mistakes, mm, like things happen, mm. but get back on, get back, get, get back to it, and just keep moving forward. Yeah. And for me, I was always a wallower. Like every time something goes wrong, I'm kind of like, oh man, I could have done this, or I could have done this, or I wish I had. Always very like self-critical, and um, I I find that he's not critical towards others or himself. Mm. And I think that makes such a difference because as soon as you end up criticizing yourself more, you actually end up just building a critical mindset. And so then I'm critical to you and you and you and everybody. You end up being critical to everything about your body image, mm. about your personality. And so just seeing that not critical nature, that mm. nature of just being accepting of everybody and everything ends up making you love yourself so much more because your mindset just completely changes. So you did a video, Why Me? Yeah. I love that oh. one. Um, can you explain a little and then what your conclusion was? Because I thought it's so true. Because I used to be like that. At the yeah. age of 16, before I had any self-confidence, mm -hmm. it was I was the victim. Yeah. Why me? This shit happens to me all the time. Yeah. I can't believe it. Why am I even bothering? Uh -huh. Right? People say it so much. Like There's something almost comforting about some self-pity. Oh, definitely. But it never serves you in the long run. No, so, and it never feels that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember the video, mildly. But I, I remember saying that you always have that mentality when something goes wrong. I always had that mentality when something goes wrong that, why does it happen to me? Mm. Like, why always me? Why does, I've done so many good things. I've done, I did this, I did this, but why does this bad thing happen to me? Mm. And then I just, every time I wrote or reflected on it, because I always kept a journal of, even if it was something I felt shouldn't have, have happened to me or something I felt should have happened to me, just writing down and breaking it down, trying to understand what is it that the problem was and why did I feel like it shouldn't have happened to me. Mm. And I just realized that it was all to do with changing your perspective, like seeing, okay, this has happened to me, but how can I grow from it? Like this has happened to me because of a reason. And if I'm not learning the lesson, then it will keep happening to me over and over again until I learn the lesson. Because I don't think 
the universe or God or anybody is trying to do things to harm you. Mm. It's to, for you to grow deeper and understand yourself better and, and grow in a way that maybe you don't realize at the time. But reflecting back, you'll be able to say, damn, like, that's why I became like this. Like, this is what made me stronger. And Do so, you still, though, in those moments, find it hard? Because it's hard oh, yeah. to criticize 100%. yourself without ruining your own ego, yeah. right? Or yeah. your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So is there something that you do to be like, okay, take the ownership, but don't ruin your self-esteem and your belief in yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I, I still have my, my, you know, it's so hard to change your initial instinct mm -hmm. to something. If, if you've been conditioned to have that reaction to something for me 27, 28 years, um, it's hard to then completely snap yourself out of it. But I do find it's not necessarily at the moment, but the journaling mm -hmm. afterwards, it trains my mind like the mind's a muscle, right? So you can just train it into thinking in the way that you want it to. And so the more I try to train my brain that, okay, this is how you thought. I literally used to do this. I would write down, this is what you thought. This is what you wish you thought. And I would write that whether it's, so if I saw you and I said something to you that was, oh, your hair looks incredible. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh man, I had that hair like if I had that if I had that internal dialogue I would go home and I would write that whether it was about myself or about the other person and be like this is what I said but what do I wish my mind thought like what do I wish I had said what do I want my mind to think next time and that has made such a difference like 100% that was something that has completely changed my mouth saying actually what my mind is thinking and have you let's say change the timing of that so you said you know you go home and you wish you had said that yeah. are you now able to correct at the yeah, time 100 percent. not all the time right, of course sure. not all the time it depends how strong that feeling perfect. is <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah no i i definitely i definitely see a change in the moment but um i think it just takes training yeah. that's all it is and and sometimes things will make you, you have different things that re, that you react differently to and so sometimes the intensity is so much that oh damn i wasn't able to control myself mm. at that time but okay next time i will yeah. because i'm going to keep trying did you ever used to beat yourself up for like failing that like i said i was going to do it and i didn't I, I definitely do, and I think I'm still quite a self-critical person. Really? Yeah, definitely. Even though, even when it, the thing that I love doing the most is cooking, um, but I doubt myself every single time I'm cooking for somebody or for the restaurant I'm doing at the moment. Every single thing, I'm constantly. My first reaction is, "This is not going to be good enough." Do you think that that actually pushes you to be better? Because like sometimes I do. Like if yeah. I'm if I'm like, "God, Lisa, you just did that. That wasn't mm -hmm. great." Like never just really patting myself on the back helps me be great definitely but at the same time i do need to make sure that i still do pat myself on the back sometimes exactly i think i always end up getting happy about it once it ends up going well right but the point is for me it's like okay i should be happy if i've put in my full amount of effort mm. and i have to trust in my own skills which i feel like is what, what's lacking it's like if you don't trust in your own skills of course you're going to wonder you're, of course you're going to be fearful of it not going well right. but I feel like trusting in yourself and your abilities I feel like I didn't know for a long time what I was good I felt like I was mediocre at everything or bad at everything was that just a bad assessment of yourself because you felt badly or you were like no I really was kind of mediocre no I think it was because I was lazy and I didn't put enough effort into figuring out what I was good at or what I wasn't good at and spending time and understanding those qualities of mine and so even qualities wise I was thinking oh okay I'm okay I'm nice okay I'm I can kind of make people laugh, but what, but what qualities do I have that I feel like I excel at? I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so every time I doubted myself, it was because actually, okay, well, I, I, I don't know what I'm good at. And I had such a breakdown to my mm -hmm. husband, like, 
maybe even a year and a half ago, just like, I don't know what I'm good at. Like, I don't know what I can offer to the world. I actually don't know what I have to serve to other people. And yeah, it was, it was such a, yeah. I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you anymore. And that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with ZocDoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks. Because let's face it, when you're sick, you need to see someone right now. So my homie, do not, I repeat, do not neglect your health. Instead, go over to ZocDoc dot com slash lisa and download the zocdoc app for absolutely free then find and book a top rated doctor today that's zocdoc z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash lisa zocdoc.com slash lisa well i definitely mm-hmm. want to go down that road yeah. of how you establish that because i think so many people face that um in spite of no matter what you achieve, I think that some self-doubt can be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was just not sure on, um, like, what, what do I want to be the best of the world at? Are you okay? Two seconds, yeah. <laughs> do we need some tissues? Can you explain to me why you're getting emotional? I guess when I talk about it, it just takes me back to when I felt like that. But... um. No, in a positive way, in the way that I remember feeling like that. And it definitely got, I came out of it so much stronger. But it's an intense feeling to feel as if you don't have, like you don't know what you, what you have to offer to other people. And that's why I think physical appearance ends up being something you feel you can change easier. Hmm. So it's like, okay, I don't feel like I have any qualities. So let me change as much about myself that I can externally Mm -hmm. I think you can focus on external so much easier because it's something that you feel you can change Mm -hmm. and it's something you feel that okay I can go out and get this makeup or go out and do this to my hair and externally I can put up Mm -hmm. a facade of somebody that I am but who are you internally that's what actually ends up making a difference and yeah yeah, sorry that's why I think it links to to physical because I feel like I could have gone down that And so many girls do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so thank you for being so raw <laughs> and um, honest because that's really what this show is all about. I want to show people the reality of what it really means to go to try and better yourself, yeah. to try and better the life that you have, whether that means that you're going to go into business mm-hmm. or you want to be the best mother or you want to be the best wife or the best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's so important to address the emotions that we're going through. Oh, for sure. Um, and not pretend, right? And the yeah. fact that you're being so raw and not pretending is exactly what I feel like is needed in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much for being <laughs> so raw and honest. Okay, I remember saying this to, um, I mean, I remember feeling this from a young age that you kind of have to hide when you're upset. Like hide when you're crying, not because of anybody, but just because I feel like that's something that's so normal that when you're crying, like it shouldn't be. You can laugh wherever you want, but when you're crying or when you're angry, when you're upset, it ends up being something that you feel you have to cover up. And I think that's one thing that I've really embraced this year. It's just been like, okay, I, like you said, I moved away. and Okay, I miss my mum, but let me just cry about it. Like, it's fine. I don't want to wallow in it, but I definitely think releasing emotion in whatever way your body needs to, I think it's so healthy. And when you cry, it doesn't mean you're necessarily really sad. It just means you have an emotion that you want to release out of your body. You want to detox your body of something. And so let it be laughing, let it be frustration, let it be crying, whatever it is, just, just release it. Because when you store it is when it comes out in, in the most negative way. How do you separate then the embracing the emotion and letting it out because it's needed versus wallowing and where's that fine line mm. how do you make sure you don't spill over because I think that that's what a lot of people do we're going back Definitely. to the why me the victim uh -huh. it you see that a lot and it doesn't serve you so how do you let go but not too much yeah um I think either first of all you should put a time limit to it it's like okay I feel like crap today I feel like crap today. Some days I wake up and I'm feeling groggy and it may be hormonal and it may be whatever it is, but I feel those emotions. So why am I feeling it? And just processing it, breaking it down, thinking of anything. It could have been from like a week before that's now catching up with you. Mm. Just writing down everything. Writing is always a good release for me. I'm just mm. using writing as an example. It can be speaking, but I find writing to yourself or writing to a person that's upset you. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to express it to them. Um, but I think having that, those moments, it doesn't have to be a day, it can be an hour where you're just like, there's some frustration in me, there's something that's upsetting me, let me break that down and figure out exactly what it is. Because as soon as you process it, that's like 99% of it, because your body's releasing whatever it is that you're feeling. Yeah. And then sometimes you don't even feel like you need to go and speak to that person, yeah. or you don't feel like you need to release that anger on somebody which probably doesn't deserve it I yeah that's it's exactly what i do really so, yeah so oh, I, nice. I just had a call with a doctor last week and yeah. he gave me in my opinion great news and terrible news right so it's like i can fix you but you're gonna have to do all the things you don't want to do yes so i had to you know i have <laughs> nice. to work out less i yeah. have to stop drinking my coffee yeah so there's all these things that to me over the last three years of my bad health i've mm. held on to right yeah. working out is for me coffee oh, I don't get to I, yeah. eat cakes I don't get to eat all this sugar and bread I can't yeah. so coffee's my one thing so yeah. the things that I had found as my sanctuary he's now saying Taking I have to let go oh, so Tom immediately the second we put down the phone he goes to me all right so what we're gonna do and I I just looked at him and I was like I need time I need he's like what's yeah. the matter we've just been given the keys to the kingdom <laughs> and I'm like look I need an hour. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. like, I just need an hour. I want an hour to feel shitty about yeah. myself. I want a, an hour to say, why me? This yes. freaking sucks. And then after that hour, I will make such a, you know, complete yes. flip and I will be on board and this will be the best thing that's ever happened. Nice. But I just need to move I need it. Yeah, just give me a moment, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that timing has really helped me not wallow. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like wallowing ends up being when you don't understand it. And so you're just sitting in that emotion, like sitting in that, that sadness or that anger, but not actually putting in the effort to process or understand it. I think you're so right. 
that is wallowing. Yeah. That's when you decide you can't be bothered to yeah. figure out what it is. And right. so fine, I'm just going to yeah. sit in it. I'm going to stay in it. And it doesn't serve you at all. Oh, yeah. I did a video about this the other day, actually, just saying you have this choice of when you're upset, you can, because I, I noticed myself doing it. Mm. When I'm upset, you end up wanting to listen to really sad music. Yes. And when you're angry, you want to listen to like aggressive, frustrating music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so fine, you can do that. Or you have a choice of listening to something that's going to lift you out of that, mm. like uplift you from that. And I feel like we always choose that first option of just, oh, I need to be sad. Right. I need to be angry. Like, let me just, and that can be a release. But I think you need the release and then you need that, okay, now I need to lift myself back up. Yeah. It's like that force yourself to smile. Yes. You know, you put the pencil in your mouth because <laughs> yeah, just the that. facial expressions, your brain registers as For it sure. being happy. So even if you're not feeling happy, mm -hmm. forcing yourself to put the pencil in your mouth or smile, yeah. it just can change your mood. It's like fake it till you make yeah, it. Yeah, like trick yeah. your brain, right? <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about fear now. Okay. Because when I heard that you went to New York but had like never moved out of your parents' house. <laughs> yeah. They did everything for you. Yeah. Your mum even went like pretty much helped you get into college oh, and did all sure. the speaking for mm. you. So tell us about that and then tell us how you overcame the fear because that's a big thing that for me, I felt like figuring out how to not let fear control me mm -hmm. made such a difference in my success and my life in general. I had planned to spend the enti my entire life like a mile away from my parents. Like when I got married, I said, okay, but we need to live one or two miles away from my mum. And I was the youngest child, and so everything was done for me. Like, if I needed to make phone calls that I felt awkward about, my sister sounded like me, so she'd make the phone call. <laughs> if I, <laughs> like, seriously, if I, and then it became normal. It was like, I can't be bothered to call the doctors. and it, Like, you do it for me. Everything was so, wow. or, or we'd pick, we, I'd pick up the phone, and it would be someone that I didn't want to have a conversation with. I'd pretend like I was my sister and be like, yeah, just it because was, you were shy? I was shy, definitely. My sister was always better at speaking to people than I was. But I think it just became habit and, and a bit of laziness, to mm. be honest. Because I was so used to it, it became normal for me. My mum figured out what degree I should be doing. Like She understood me better than I understood myself. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I start, when, went to university. And so she suggested something. And I thought, yeah, that sounds incredible. Why don't I do this? Because I don't know what else I want to be doing. Mm. Um, and so I grew up literally like that to the point where when I was picking up my house things, I would be on the phone to them all the time. Like, should I pick this color or this color? I didn't know. You I literally didn't, couldn't make your I own couldn't decisions. I couldn't make my own decisions about anything. Mm. And um, three, weeks into, three weeks into my marriage, yeah, we just moved into our house. And um, I come home from work and Jay's like, oh, I have something to tell you. I got this job. He explained everything to me. And... I was like, that's incredible, because at, at this point, it did not register that I would have to move to New York. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. This is going to be so much fun. And then he was like, oh, yeah, but like, you understand we have to, that means like we would, we would have to move to New York. We don't have to. Because he was doing videos, was it, for Huffington Post, Post and they're based in New York. Exactly. And so at that point, I literally went silent. I was like, what the hell? I did not, like, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Like, I was never planning to move away. And so at that point... I was like, Tim, okay, I need time to process. So I didn't get upset, I didn't do anything, but I took three days of pretty much not talking to him. Really? Yeah. Of Were just, you like out of annoyance? No, not at all. Like, just, I just, need just space. because I was like, I know I want to do this for him. Mm. Like I 100% knew I wanted to do this for him. He, gave, he obviously said that we didn't have to do it, but I knew it was his dream. And so, but I just needed time to process. I've always been that type of person. Mm. I need time to just, just to myself, like you were saying. And so I took a couple of days to just think about it. And it was so funny because when we told my parents, 
everyone was just crying. Everyone congratulated him, but it wasn't really, it was more to do with me leaving. Mm. Like everyone was just mm -hmm. upset I was leaving. So I needed that time. And then once I, once I processed it. And yeah, I, can you tell me actually how you processed it? Yeah, what sure. were the steps so that you did? My first thing was probably annoyance. Okay. I have to say it was, it was like, but like, why do I have to do this? And, mm. and also that kind of thing of, I'm the woman. And why is the woman the person that always has to, it was that feminist thing that came out in me. Like, why should I have to be the one that gives up everything and goes? Because the guy has something. Um, I'm not generally like that, but I think you end up, it's an easy situation to make yourself think, but I'm the woman, I always have to sacrifice. Mm. And it felt like that at the time. And then, and then I got over that because I was like, he's not like that at all. So right. why am I thinking like that? So no, so once you've kind of got that negative thought, really kind of assessing it exactly. and going, is it really real or is that just emotion? Okay, that's yeah, just, so emotion. just emotion. I know he loves me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And thinking that's not his character at all. So I'm kind of just pulling it whatever I can. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the first reaction. And then I started thinking about the positives of it, not to do with myself, because I didn't see anything positive to it for myself really? at the time. No, I didn't. Interesting. I genuinely felt like I was doing it for him. I didn't see any benefit for me mm. going anywhere. I always felt like my, the best of myself was brought out by my family. Mm. Then by the second day, I started asking him questions about it, and I was kind of more interested in, in moving and you know, understanding where we'll be staying and little bits. Um, and then by the third day, I think I just had weighed up the good and the bad. And for me, making him happy and making his dreams come true outweighed the negatives for me. Did you feel like that there was like, okay, and if this doesn't work, I can go back? Because his would, it's, it's so beautiful as, as someone in a relationship that you can give your partner that, yeah. right? But at the same time, it's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I get it, like I'm in yeah, that same situation, yeah. <laughs> right? The, for me though, I desperately wanted to live in LA. Oh, so okay. it wasn't a conflict. Yeah. But when people are faced with, do I do this? If I'm doing it for someone else, how does this affect my life? Um, I think that's quite scary. Okay, well, let's do a year at a time. Everything was, mm. we never make plans for forever. Mm -hmm. And I think even for my family, that was important. I was like, okay, it's for a year. Like for now, it's for a year. And then, and then we'll see what happens. And it was kind of a protection for myself as well, because thinking of forever was too scary. Mm. And so um, there was always that option of going back, which was kind of like that safety net of yeah. me not feeling too scared when I was leaving. Do you think that safety net is important for people when they're making big decisions like that? I think it depends on the personality. Mm. I think it definitely does. I like security. And so for me, knowing that, okay, my parents are six hour flight away. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, it was a big thing. And knowing that I could, if I wanted to, go back every couple of weeks, which I didn't. Um, sometimes I did, but I didn't all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but knowing that was an option is definitely, but that's not an option for a lot of people. Right. And I know so many people who have gone away and not seen their family for five, six, six years because they, one, can't afford to go back, mm. or two, they just have to be there for jobs and, and life. You know, you, you can't just, just run away. Mm. So you take the chance, yeah. you're like, screw it, let's do yeah. it. I'm gonna move <laughs> where I never thought I would go, yeah. a different continent. Mm -hmm. And then two days later, is it? Yeah. He goes on a trip? No, so um, I moved there and he had taken, he could only take a couple of days off. And then on the Monday, he'd gone, he had to go back to work, which was like nine to five working, right. nine to six. Um, <clears throat> and so I was like by myself. So you're in but a completely new country. Completely new country. Someone who got taken care of day yeah. and night by her parents and her sister and everybody. Yeah. And now you're thrown into New York City by yourself. Yeah. And go. 
What does, and that, go. what does that even so feel like? The How first, do you get over the fear? Yeah, so the, the first day, I think I spent a lot of it crying. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but not crying on the phone to my parents because I knew they missed me anyway. So I just cried to myself because I was like, if I upset them, then they're going to be upset. And that's going to make like, you more upset. Gonna, exactly. It was okay. just going to be a whole cycle that was not good for me. And so I just took the time. I stayed in the flat the first few days because I was like, too, not scared to venture out, but I didn't know where I would go mm. at first. I was like... So then I spent a lot of time researching and figuring out, okay, what do I need to get? Where do I want to go? Um, but it was also the first time I was like, this is just me. Like, I have to spend this much time with myself. I didn't know anybody mm. else there. And so I had to spend all this time alone. And actually, I realized throughout my whole life, I probably have never, more than a day by myself. Wow. And even in that one day, I would have seen people. Right. So I've never spent one day fully. I'd probably never at that point in life spent one day fully on my own. Right. And so... Luckily, I was part of, I, had, I knew some people at a meditation center there, so I knew I was going to spend some time there. Mm. Um, but it really became a time of me just understanding me, which was, and spending time with myself. Mm. And so I started exploring, and eventually, you know, it ended up being quite fun. I would just wander the streets for a bit, like trying to get my bearings, uh, maybe sometimes hours just walking around. Um, but at the end of the day, it did feel really weird just spending time with myself. And then I started thinking, you know what, maybe it's a good thing to start writing. Um, that's when I started journaling. Oh, that's really? actually that's the really beginning of journaling. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like this is me. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And I actually had been recommended by somebody to start journaling. And so I thought I would start that. And that's when I just started writing about myself. And, and that's when I realized all the negative qualities that I was like, damn, I really don't like these things about myself. Mm. But I was like, so, and, and for me at that point, I didn't know where to go from there. I was like, these are all the crap things about me. What do I now do? And then... Uh, That's interesting. So yeah. you've identified yeah, them, but you have so no idea what to exactly. even do Exactly. These them. are the qualities I really don't like about myself. Okay. Now and? What? Now what? <laughs> now what do I do? Yeah. Um, and so that's actually when my husband came into play. Like he was so good of, he was just, he, just, he broke everything down for mm. me and was such a good guide for me in understanding, okay, this is never like an end point. There's never an end point. Yes, these are negative things that you feel you need to work on, but there's a process for you to work out of them mm. and get better at them. And so I spend a lot of my time just reading things about that, about understanding each quality that I have, whether it's, en okay, let's say it was envy, which mm. I had a lot of when I was younger, especially when I was bigger. That's a quality that I first recognized about myself, that I didn't like that I was envious or jealous of people. Mm. And so I started breaking it down. I said this, or my mind thought this, but I wish I had done this. Mm. Um, and each quality I started just breaking down, listening to a lot of lectures on it. What we other qualities? I'm so fascinated. Oh, so uh, yeah, jealousy for sure. Uh, Self-doubt was a big one. Um, and I, I feel like when, snappiness was something I ended up doing a lot, more so to my husband. And when I broke it down, I realized it was when I wasn't getting my own way or when I felt like I was out of control of a situation mm. um, or if there was something underlying which it was just easier to get out in that way. Like mm. every time I released an emotion, it was either being quiet or snappy. There was nothing else in between. And yeah, I just started breaking down all the things that I noticed myself doing. Just being an observer, that's mm. what I ended up doing. Observing myself, whether it was in a situation where I was alone or with other people, really breaking down what my mind was saying because I feel like your mind can say so much stuff you end up believing that that's who you are right. when actually you can observe it and correct it but I don't feel like if I had that time if I didn't have that time to myself I don't really feel like I would have done that so like I want to keep going down that fear route of like what advice then right now someone's listening mm -hmm. they've got an opportunity or something big and yeah. they're so scared because they have no idea right like they've grown mm -hmm. up on the same thing or whatever they just don't they're not sure whether to take that chance what advice would you give them to help overcome the fear 
I'd say number one, break down the fear and write down every single thing that you're scared of. Because a lot of the time, time I, I find fear is to do with what's going to happen or fear is to do with experiences that you've had that have put you into fear at that time. So write down all the th- experiences that you are thinking of that could potentially happen again to you mm-hmm. as the reason why you're feeling fear at the time. Or all the things that you're post like the word like a dinosaur is going to come and eat me if I leave, move to New York, whatever right, it is, like right. the craziest thing. I've heard those dinosaurs are yeah. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I said that I watched Jurassic Park the other day. That's why it's probably in my mind. Um, but you know, like the craziest thing that you possibly think could happen that's causing that fear at that moment. Mm. Yeah, because when I think about the future and what I fear in the future, yeah. I then say, well, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. So I fear dinosaurs going to come that can for happen? me. Yeah. The worst that happens is that they could kill me. All right, that doesn't. That's exactly. Not great, but exactly. Um, that's the next thing I was going to say is what's the worst that could happen? Mm. Like that is my mindset. And the problem is when we keep thinking into the future, you're never present. Mm. And so I say, be present in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like embrace it and think, okay, if this fails that's fine. What will I learn from it? Like, what can I gain right, from it? Right. And so I think that's probably the second thing. Just be present in the moment and just think, I've been put into this situation for a reason. There is a reason why I've been given this opportunity. So if I take it, I'm either going to get something incredible out of it or I may fail and still get something incredible mm. from it because I'm going to grow. Yeah. And so it's either going to be a tangible thing, which you can like success that you can hold, or it will be something internally that you're that you're able to change. But both are incredible. Both are like the best thing mm-hmm. for you. I love that so much. Um, okay, so you've overcome your fear. <laughs> yeah. You're now, you've gone from New York to Los Angeles. Yeah. You're a fantastic vegan chef. I can't try your food, so I take, I I take the photos for their words because the photos <laughs> are beautiful. So I'm going to say it's fantastic. Who knows? Um, talk about coming out of your comfort zone, girl. Mm-hmm. A, like that step into the business world, how did that feel? And that must take courage, right? Mm-hmm. Being the first time you're doing it. Yeah. That's one question. And then secondly, working with men versus women. Um, going into the business world, I have to say, I haven't been so part of the business aspect of it, but working with people on a project has been probably the first. Like one of the main people, the key people in a project, right. has, this is the first time yeah, for me. you're like the lead, right? Yeah, it's basically so doing, your recipes. Yeah, it's I my like recipes. I you said that's not business. That's no, business, That's girl. business, <laughs> yeah, it's business. I always think of business as being... But it's interesting that you framed it in your mind. I know. I wonder why that is. Yeah, I frame it, I guess because it's something I love doing. I think maybe it's that. Interesting. Because I always see business as, I guess I've grown up seeing my dad as a businessman, so it's like IT, like business stuff. That's like so for me, that's business. So you've identified business meaning something. Well, yeah. the great news is you're breaking the mold. Yeah. So it's, it's broken. Not, yeah, it is a business, you're right, it is my business. Um, yeah, so I, it's, it's been a good transition for me. It's been a good experience. I think what you were saying about the male versus women, yeah. um, it is one, a very male dominant, um, group that I'm working with, which I think is interesting. There is different ways that women and men work. Mm-hmm. And so I think women need different things to men in a business environment, I personally feel. Yeah. And so for me, certain things broken down and, and vocalized to me, whereas I feel like the men kind of think, oh, that's so obvious. Like, oh, that, that's okay. Like you, oh, of course you're going to be doing this. But they weren't, I think it's communication. Right. Communication was different. I think when you can have some sort of foundation of rules, it can be a lot. I, it's also a friend that I'm, that I'm working with. Mm. And so um, it can be a lot harder working with people that you know, because you feel like you don't want them to think you're mean. Right. You know, <laughs> I don't want them to think I'm mean. And, and, like, and, and it's so interesting because I feel when I would express myself or exert myself, I think, oh, they're going to think I'm such a 
B word. The one says you're a bitch. The second you're a woman and you put your foot down. Exactly, exactly. Um, So I set ground rules. I still think. How did you have the confidence to set ground rules? Was that is that instinct? If I'm completely honest, it's all over message. I'm like, you're interesting. (laughs) Okay, so I want to go down that route. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can't do this over the phone. Or if I do, out of like fear. I don't. I think it's awkwardness. I think I'm being judged. Maybe I'm being judged probably too. And it's more, I, I have this awkward conversation I'm just so bad at. It's something I need to work on okay. for sure. I need to write this down. I need to figure this out. I don't know what it's a fear of, but I, I think it's, yeah, like I said, when I was younger, I would do the same thing. If I thought a conversation was going to be awkward, I'd be like, okay, you have the conversation. Oh, um, it's all coming back. Up. Yeah. So you haven't fully got rid of that. That one. No, probably not. I guess not. It's been, it's been something that I've, I've done f- over time yeah. for sure. But um, I think I can be firm with things that I really feel like I get. Like now I've got to a point, I, was, I started this project and I was still doubting my skills. I'm like, I'm doing the recipe development for a whole restaurant. Like, why am I still doubting my skills? Why? And I kept thinking it was going to be taken away from me. Like always, I was like, oh no, like they could find somebody else that's got more, like that's got better skills than me or that will be, have better ideas than me. And then that's it. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then I just realized, and that's what I kept reminding myself, whatever I've done to this point for this project, I've grown as a person. Like I loved it. Whatever I've done, I've loved it so much. And so even if it ends now, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll take those skills and I'll, I'll put it somewhere else. What's up guys? You're probably wondering why on earth a video just faded out and now I'm standing here talking to you. Well, the truth is that we actually had a technical error and we lost the last 15 minutes of the episode. Now, when the team told me, I tried to think of a million different ways that we could cover it up. Do we just fade black? Do we fade to an end card with my voiceover on it? And just as I'm about to film the voiceover, I realized, hang on, why am I covering it up? The whole point of this show, the whole point of bringing these incredible women on is to show you guys that none of us are perfect, that we all make mistakes. So if you're at home right now fearing to try something because you're petrified that you're going to make a mistake and you want it to be perfect, I'm here to let you know it's okay. I've recorded now over probably 300 episodes of main shows and yet I'm still here making errors. But the truth is it's okay as long as I look at what happened, how I fix it next time and make sure it doesn't happen again, then I've just I've become more powerful because of it. So I wanted to just be honest, be very transparent about what happened to this episode. Hopefully we can convince Raddy to come back on so that we can continue our conversation. Um, But for now, I just want to let you guys know that yes, we all mess up and it's okay. And just in case you were wondering, we now record audio on three different devices just in case one goes out. So there you go. Hopefully this problem will never happen again. So Hopefully you guys have subscribed. If you haven't, press that button down below right now. Or if you listen to this on podcast, rate and review. And until next time, go out and be your own superhero.